It goes without saying that this podcast contains spoilers. If you value ignorance in your reading and watching experience, maybe come back to this show after you've read and watched the featured material. But let's be honest, if you don't know already, he sees dead people. Welcome to Author's Intent. little Hufflepuffs, and welcome to Author's Intent. I am your host, Dixie Lee. Before we jump into any books or movies, I wanted to lay out the general format of the show. So, format of the show will be loosely as follows. We will talk about a couple of chapters of a book and the comparison of the same scenes in the movie. We will discuss plot points, character development, setting, director cuts, casting, and every other little thing you can think of. Occasionally, I will have a guest host, and we will talk about what our guest loved and hated about the book or movie. We will only ever cover a couple chapters at a time, and I will be sure to give you the timestamps for the corresponding scenes. Now, let's get into some book stuff. Our first ever episode of Author's Intent, we are jumping into my absolute favorite series, in the entire universe of known words and languages, and that would be Harry Potter. Specifically, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, because obviously you start with book one, because that makes sense, unless you're Star Wars, whatever. Now, I know I said that I would only occasionally have a guest host with me, but seeing how this is the first ever episode of Author's Intent, and we're talking about my absolute favorite series, and... It's also Harry Potter's birthday. Spoiler, by the way, he was born on July 31st. I want to celebrate our first ever show with having a guest host. And my guest host is the wonderful and charming one and only Stephen George Henning. Don't judge him because he's a Gryffindor, but, you know, here he is. Cool, blimey, Harry. <laughs> it's your birthday. It's your birthday. It's your, do you think <laughs> Harry offensive. was really, really bummed when he just got Hagrid's butt cake? <laughs> I don't know. I really like cake. I don't think I would care if someone had sat on it. Even if Hagrid was the one who sat on it? That guy has never taken... He's taken like a magical shower, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. But you wouldn't know that because uh, There's no he's way. not allowed to use there's magic. no way he has running water in that little hut. Yeah. No, there's not. There's not. That but he does live right next to the lake, so maybe... Big old nasty maybe boy. Maybe the mermaids give him like sponge baths. Mermaids. <laughs> what are those awful creatures that pull him down into Grindelow? the lake? Grind, 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 Grindelos? Yeah, those. Yeah, they're gross. Yeah, I'm nasty, picturing uh, nasty oh. swamp creatures. Dixie, you just gave me a new fan fiction project. Are you going to write a fan fiction about Hagrid taking a shower? Because I don't want to read that. It turns erotic. Spoilers. <laughs> really fast. Speaking of spoilers, <laughs> it gets. Horny. Him and Professor McGonagall, am I right? It, no, him and the Grindylows is what oh. I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe Buckbeak. 
Mmm, <laughs> Buckbeak. This is powerful imagery. Oh, Aragog. Okay. Eight legs, man. This is nasty. Okay, let's move on. Crossing into furry territory. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> Obviously, you've read the books because you wouldn't know all of these awkward references. I just wanted to come on strong with all the things Thank I know. Thank you for making my first episode inappropriate. I, I really appreciate it. I made it a little Now sexual. I have to put a... Ex- uh, what is it? Explicit rating yeah. on it. You think so? Thanks, Steve. You think so? No, I don't think so. But you know, cool, we can, blimey, we Harry. To, we still have time to make it explicit. It's your birthday, <laughs> Steven. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> You're a hairy wizard. Anyway, my there isn't a wizard or witch alive that doesn't know his name. Why are you like this? I'm quoting McGonagall now. Meow. Also McGonagall. <laughs> Oh, man. You're setting the stakes really high for my first episode, bud. (laughs) They're going to listen to episode two and be like, oh, it's just her talking crap about McGonagall? Yuck. Well, anyway. I mean, she is the head of the Can I get into it now? Can we start the podcast, please? Take it away. (laughs) Thank you for being on the show. Load me up into the little sidecar of your magical motorcycle. Stop it. Whisk me away. Stop it. Hagrid. Steven. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Thank you for being on the show. You're very welcome. Um, I'm very obviously, excited. I mean, you know about Harry Potter because you've made all of these obscene references. Um, I sure do. When did you first read this book, specifically oh. Sorcerer's Stone? Philosopher's Stone for okay. some purists. Get out. Uh, <laughs> no, it was always the Sorcerer's Stone for me because I live in Merca. Merca. Um. I don't know when I first read it. My earliest memories of the story are actually sitting in my parents' bed with my father reading it to me. I think the first Harry Potter book I actually read myself was... Good gravy. I think it was The Goblet of Fire. Well, this is about the Sorcerer's Stone, so obviously you have nothing to add. I know. So we... (laughs) My family, uh, I mean, my brother and I just kind of grew up with the Harry Potter stories. Right. My my parents are Christian. My whole family's Christian. And we were in a community when I was growing up in Iowa, a Christian community that very much preached against J.K. Rowling's work, mm-hmm. um, claiming that introductions of wizardry and witchcraft and just magical imagination would um, corrupt the gospel in some way. But well, my, my, obviously, uh, my parents from the beginning were so cool about right. it. Like from the beginning, they were like, this nah. is a story. This is legit. That's designed to be entertaining for children. I love you, parents. Absolutely. Yeah. So my first memory of the Sorcerer's Stone, um, I mean, it's linked to a lot. But yeah, I was getting the book read to me by my father in my parents' bed before so before we would turn in because I was homeschooled as well. Right. So. Well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> So do you remember seeing the movie? Did you see it in theaters? I, no, it was not in the theaters. I honestly don't recall the very first time I watched the movie. I remember being struck by the scene when they're in the boats. Oh yeah, going up to the castle. And pulling up on the lake and like you see the look of wonder in their eyes Mm -hmm. and then the camera like turns you and shows you the castle and I remember being, at my age, like, 
I'm 11. Can I go? Like <laughs> literally it was. Weren't we all? It was quite, it was quite literally magical. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd hope so. It is about witchcraft and wizardry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was very excited about, um, animated chocolate in the <laughs> forms of like jumping frogs. And, yeah. Uh, I was, I also was very into Pokemon cards, so it was very exciting to me that you, they had a form of like collector cards Oh, in yeah, the story. The, the cards from the... The great witches the, and wizards yeah. from the chocolate boxes. I think the best thing about that is the fact that this is when you're really introduced to the moving pictures that you see. Yeah. In like the photos and yep. stuff hung up in Hogwarts and in any wizard's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that uh, Ronald Weasley, a character that you will meet later, um, he's like, well, he can't like hang out in the picture he's busy dude like albus dumbledore is not gonna just hang out on your card like he has to go visit a bunch of other cards oh as long as we're talking about ron i remember one moment um because like at that point in the movie when you meet ron harry is always harry has already been to green guts and mm-hmm. seen his stacks and stacks and stacks on stacks, stacks of money and stacks <laughs> but then there's Loaded. that there's that scene in the train where the trolley comes by and she's like do you guys want anything? And Ron's like, no, thanks. And he pulls out that like lump of a sandwich, like <laughs> yeah. wrapped in that. It it's was like, like saran wrap. Okay. It wasn't even those dumb little sandwich bags crap. where you would flip the, you, you know, those sandwich bags. You were talking crap about the, the butt cake that Hagrid gave to Harry. And then you're going on. <laughs> Mrs. Weasley made that with love. No. Probably I, with magic. I know. And what I loved, I identified with Ron so much because I've had. <laughs> many a sandwich that looked similar to that yeah squished when i would bring my cream cheese and jelly sandwiches to school with me in the second grade oh gross like i i identified with ron so hard, <laughs> so hard. With the, just like the terrible saran yeah. wrap though you like you know those sandwich bags i'm talking about yeah like, it's not they don't zip have a, they don't have a zip it's just like a it's you tuck your thumbs over. and flip it and they yeah. don't ever keep anything yeah. in it they were Especially really chips. really digging into the to the poverty line like they're like they can't even afford ziploc so they get this this crappy saran wrap and bag <laughs> that was never my family though like i for my entire no, your parents are just frugal life, my mother is your very mother frugal. is very frugal <laughs> like instead of buying the individual chip bags for my lunch she would just buy a big bag of chips and then just put loose chips in those flippy sandwich bags that's i this is normal they would i've get had that my whole life everywhere i'm sorry we're not talking about <laughs> anyway Harry we're Potter. not talking about Take your over. chip problem Take over, okay please. so obviously you've read the books you've seen the movies which is your favorite do you like Sorcerer's Stone the movie oh. or do you like the book better oh I it's been a long time since I've read the book I've watched the movie recently in preparation for this podcast and I we don't have to dig all the way into this but I honestly don't love the first two movies of this franchise why are you here there are two <laughs> I mean I get that Chris Columbus the director for the first two is trying to cater the atmosphere and feel of the film to the children that are Harry, Ron and Hermione's exact age. Mm-hmm. So like, I get that he wants a film that's a lot more whimsical and a lot cheerier and magical. Like we, we just, of course you need a lot of establishing shots of just magic happening with whatever right 
CG effects that Hollywood could not. It wasn't Hollywood. Uh, Universal. Yeah. Whatever CG effects Universal could Warner dream Brothers. up in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, but having now been introduced to the later movies. Yeah. That in my opinion are better because I just like that darker. Like I like the the dark angsty evil Voldemort vibe like mm-hmm. Death Eaters all that nonsense so classic Gryffindor really no, you think I'm so just kidding <laughs> um so I'm gonna have to say I like the book better yeah but that's just because I I may have rose colored glasses for the book as well maybe the book feels the same way as the movie does and maybe you can speak to that but I think the book has a lot more to offer especially in these first two films oh definitely I I completely agree it feels more coherent to read books one two three and four right it feels like one solid story whereas watching watching movies one two three and four it's like a complete shift in number three after yeah three just completely flipped and they finally that was was due to losing an actor and then switching directors they they switched Um, directors and they lost dumbledore yeah which is like that's a Again, important spoiler role. alert. Like that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Um. So losing like, that actor wait, definitely they, did it. But the actor, they didn't lose Dumbledore. <laughs> no, 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 I get that. But but all of a sudden in the it's third just movie, a big you. Flip. But all of a sudden in the third movie, the new actor now has to rewin my heart. Whereas that that old jolly guy in the first two, like as much beef as I have with the first two movies being really jolly and really happy, I liked that Dumbledore more. I liked mm-hmm. him being really slow. And not crotchety, but like that weird kind of chipper, you know, like when at the end of the movie where he's like, "Mm, alas, earwax, earwax. Yeah. Like, I love that vibe a lot more than the Dumbledore that ends up in movies three through eight. That's a lot more agile and like jumping around and also kind of mean. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you put your name in the couple he doesn't have that mean <laughs> vibe in the book, at least as far as I remember. Um, feel well, like I feel like he overplayed I that. I kind of agree. I see what you're saying, but I also don't 100% agree. So, and that's fine, of course. <laughs> that's fine. You but have I'm the your guest, opinion. But I'm the guest, and you have to yeah, make the me feel always right. welcome. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> to answer your question, I favor the book yeah in that the makes Sorcerer's sense. Stone story so you know obviously that we are going to be talking about chapters one and two yes of the first book is there any specific scene from the movie or from these chapters that you remember really well or that you really liked about either boy will you remind me what what in general are covered in the chapters because I have so, not read in preparation. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. Chapter one, um, it is from the perspective of the Dursleys. Okay. So you see, you see Uncle Vernon going to oh. work and then running into a bunch of okay weird stuff and then coming home and asking Petunia about Harry, um, and then essentially what you see at the very beginning of the movie. Okay, is. Dumbledore coming to the street. You see a cat on the road. But we're not introduced to like 10 year old Harry yet. Mm -mm. Okay. Boy, I really don't have any memory of these first two chapters then. I didn't even (laughs) remember that it started with the Dursleys. I remember thinking though that even again, I don't have the language in front of me, but I remember being struck by like by the way she describes Dumbledore 
stealing the light out of the lamppost oh, yeah, with definitely. the de-illuminator. I remember thinking like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and then I remember seeing it in the movie and thinking it looked like one of those, you know, like those a pest like, dispenser. Yeah, but it reminded me of like an M&M tube. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know those tubes they definitely. sell of them yeah. and with the little cap on top? Like it just looked like this goofy... I don't know. <laughs> like prop department did something different than yes. I was thinking. Thank you again for being on the show. My pleasure. So as I stated before, the first chapter of the book isn't in the movie uh-huh. at all. I think it's amazing. Thank you for pointing that, this out. Yeah. yeah I that think it's amazing why I that can't even yeah. think of a visual representation of it. No, like it's amazing that the book begins with a description of the Dursleys. Yeah. Like it starts with a description of muggles. How I mean that was just so so It's a good it's good thinking on it's a good JK Rowling's part starting with something that we already know. Her readership are muggles. Yeah. None of us are wizards. Shut up. Don't say that. Why would you say that to me? I mean, did you get a letter? No. So even if Hogwarts <laughs> did exist, we know we're not. Yeah, we're not wizards. wizards. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just going to go cry about it later. It's okay. Anyway, so we start with a description of the Dursleys, which they're muggles. Uh They're not honestly the best people. We get a description of each of the Dursleys individually, which there are three of them. Yeah. And it starts, of course, with Vernon Dursley, which is Harry Potter's uncle. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I think that the translation from book to movie of Mr. Dursley's character was done fantastically. Like he is just as mean really? in the movie okay. as he is in the book. Yeah. Um, and his his overall demeanor and like how he looks doesn't really have a big difference between book and movie. Um, we see him just big fat guy. Like large graying man with yeah. a bushy mustache. Um, he was played yeah. by Richard Griffiths, um, mm-hmm. which he recently passed away, I think a couple years ago. Um, he did it spectacularly. Mm-hmm. Um, he is just as rude in the movies as he was in the book. Mrs. Petunia Dursley, however, I have some beeves. Okay. Tell uh, me about them because so, she, she ends up being a very relatable character in the Deathly Hallows. Yes. Like, they cut out a lot of stuff from the movies that kind of make her a more like redeemable character. And when I read Deathly Hallows, I I was getting to that point in the story and I was like, oh, like so much jealousy and anger and yeah, sadness. She is literally us. Has She's been a literally part, us. I know. But she would it would be like we all want to identify as Harry or Ron or Hermione. I know but she we're is, Petunia. She's literally <laughs> us, but it's like your little sister Shelby got yeah. accepted to Hogwarts and Shut you up. didn't. That's not funny. I hate right? that. That's like, stupid. That's her relationship to that is the wizarding world. Yes. So uh, this is where in the chap- first chapter we learn Petunia is Harry's mother's sister. Right. So Aunt Petunia is blood related to Harry. Uncle, Dur- Uncle Vernon is married to Aunt Petunia. That's right. how yep. all this works out. You don't actually get introduced to harry until the end of chapter two right like they don't even talk really about him until the end of chapter two which is like the book is called harry potter (laughs) and we haven't even met him yet going into this book we get the description of vernon and then we get the description of petunia which 
my beeves are specifically with the translation to the movie. In the book, she is portrayed as a much more redeemable character than she is in the movies. In the book, she is tall, lanky, blonde, really long neck, um, pointed face, all of this stuff, which they did physically. Physically, they casting nailed it. Nailed minus it. her hair. That's her hair okay, is that's her hair is like black in yeah. the movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Like they told the actress that plays her. What was her name? Let me see. She um, has such a severe. Oh, Fiona Shaw. Such a severe look to her. It's she, so intimidating. I wish they had at least given her like a blonde wig. Like that oh. would have that would have just like been the icing on the okay. cake. She would have been absolutely perfect. Because the image that Rowling is setting up here is just like is. It's heavy contrast. It's heavy contrast, but also just typical british suburbia yeah. right oh yeah like uh the very beginning of this first chapter they're talking about um uncle vernon getting ready for work and sitting down at the breakfast table with their relatively young son i think he's like 11 months old or a year old and dudley dudley <laughs> which he is literally just like copy and paste vernon dursley yeah like that is dudley right also dudley dursley come on Excellent this is, name. This is powerful. <laughs> Excellent name. But I'm a uh, fan. J.K. Rowling goes into deep description about how Petunia was born lucky to have such a long neck so that she could spy on her neighbors and like what? eavesdrop what? <laughs> on people. Like she is like the epitome of that woman on the road that just like stands out there pretending to water her garden so she can hear the neighbors talking. Like, she is that woman. She is Whoa. the epitome of suburbia wife. <laughs> oh, my she's, gosh. She's a stay-at-home mom with a perfect angel of a son. I just realized that her and her sister are named after flowers. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Stephen. <laughs> Oops. <gasps> yes, Stephen. Petunia her name is Petunia. And Lily. And her sister's name is Lily. <laughs> uh, it's but like, they're also very, like, uh, Petunia's character was definitely made to be such a stark difference from Lily. Yeah. Like it's it's that just like black and white difference. Yep. And it, it wasn't born out of them being mean to each other or hard to each other as sisters. But the jealousy that happened when Lily got accepted to Hogwarts and Petunia didn't. Yeah. Okay. So book begins with description of the dursleys we are at the table uncle vernon's eating dudley is at the high chair, high chair. right and petunia's making breakfast and serving them like typical normal average day um the things that are going on in the background during the scene are probably what makes this scene though because it's really? okay we see owls flying by the window we see when uh, Mr. Dursley wow. leaves okay. the house. He notices like a bunch of birds flying around. Yeah. Um, and when he he's notices driving, it because it's out of the ordinary. Yes, it's not normal. Like okay. you, you, you wouldn't be able to see owls in the middle of the day. This is or true. Or in the early morning, like this. Okay. Going to work, like this. They are nighttime creatures. Yeah. <laughs> it's unusual to see owls, especially as many owls as they've seen. Okay. So he is on his way to work and a really funny scene from this first chapter is he's driving down the road, down Privet Drive. Yep. 
and out of the side of his eye, he sees a cat looking at a map. And he thinks, oh, that's weird. And he keeps driving. And then he's like, oh, no, wait. And then he looks back at the cat and the cat's just sitting on a wall Uh-oh. with no map. Okay. And, then, and then he he thinks in the book, oh, it's just reading the street sign. And then he's like, no, cats don't read. And he just keeps going about his day. <laughs> I've seen our cats do some weird things. I know. Sometimes they look at I'm ghosts. I, I'm pretty sure. That there's just a ghost over yes. my shoulder because they look so intently and they, it's like they're following something. Yeah. I. Yeah. Okay. Two things. Yes. Uh, First of all, Privet. <laughs> yeah. Is absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Because the Dursleys, all they want is just to like live their life. They don't want to be. Privacy. Exactly. Thank yes. you. Thank you for this. Especially that <laughs> privacy, like British yeah, pronunciation. Very British. You know. Second thing, I'm struck by the owls. Um, I know owls are used throughout the story. Yes. And they're essentially like pets, but they're also like the mailman. Yeah, definitely. But uh, going to Hogwarts, you're given the choice to choose between like a cat or uh, an owl or and a, a toad. toad. Yeah. Those are like the three standard. And it typically is only the more wealthy families that have owls so, so many the school, cats in hogwarts know, so many cats and so many toads what? um which honestly you don't see a lot of you see a butt ton of owls yeah but the school has a bunch of owls okay on retainer for kids that can't afford owls Who to write send. a letter yeah yeah or the weasleys just have their dumb one <laughs> errol oh which poor, is good poor no, bud um i'm thinking i'm i i picked up on the owl theme because i've i've been listening i listen to some bonkers fun podcast yeah and one of my favorites is mysterious universe and it discovers like paranormal and the esoteric um like stories like ufos right all this nonsense but um very often a theme that comes up in uh paranormal encounters and um stories of like fairies and different beings and stuff right an owl is typically like an omen of the veil between like our fae. world and another another dimension right. kind of like growing thin a little bit yeah like even in uh in celtic myths and legends yeah. owls and ravens are indicators that in between that the other world is getting dangerously close to the material world which we do find out by the end of chapter two that is exactly what's happening and that's so cool that rowling is just like harnessing all all that background and all that like all that quote-unquote conventional wisdom about magic and about fairies and um even real life theories of extraterrestrials ufos paranormal encounters all this yeah it's cool that she's like it's really latching onto that and being like Oh yeah, maybe I'll just use that as like the standard pet for a magical student, yeah. right? It's like we're not going to use trained foxes. Like, of course, so. they're going to be so weird that they have <laughs> owls. They can't have like a dog, yeah. right? I mean, they have cats, but they're pretty weird. Muggles have dogs. <laughs> yeah, only Muggles have dogs, guys. Right? Only Muggles use the postal service. Yeah, like normal right. people. It's fine. Okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, so we are on the road to Uncle Vernon's work, which Uncle Vernon works i know this oh what is it well i don't know the name but he's an executive at a drill company yes he is a 
director for a company called Grunnings that Grunnings. produces drills. <laughs> this is strong. Yeah, this I know. A, this is a that's powerful. Like a, that's a really like, uh, you know, like he's a muggle. Grunnings. <laughs> yeah, it's very like womp womp. Yeah, womp womp. I'm a blue collar that has a boring job. Yeah. <laughs> he's not blue collar. He's white collar. He's executive. Oh, that's fair. You're fair. Right? Yeah. Um, so we see Uncle Vernon leaving for work. He notices all these owls. He notices the cats cat reading, reading maps and road signs. And then he's like, no, cats don't read. Um, and then when he's getting closer to work, he actually notices a bunch of people dressed really weirdly. And it's, I predict robes. Yeah, it's cloaks. cloaks They're cloaks. And robes. He's, he's taking notice of people wearing these brightly colored, full length cloaks. Yeah. And he's like, what is going not on? Your not your typical, <laughs> like, trench coat just look for London, right? Yeah. Is yeah. it London that they're, they live near? I know it's Surrey. Um, is there a little I'm suburb? I'm not positive exactly where, Pretty sure it's Surrey. where he's working. Do we also have a sense of the modern age that this story is set in the Sorcerer's Stone? This is 90s. So 90s when Harry is born. So we're led to believe that when he is getting his letter to Hogwarts when he's 11, then like no, no, Y2K no. or... No, no, no. Or, or is Harry's school career starting in the 90s? So maybe it's like early 80s that this first chapter is set so the the entire harry potter series is set from 1991 to 1998 so he starts school in 1991 okay so we're literally like 1980 yeah for vernon dursley just going to work this is like 1982 yeah vernon dursley going to work uh driving yeah driving his you know like cool cool super classy 80s Cadillac or whatever the heck they right. drive in. Is that ever mentioned explicitly in the books, the time setting, or has that late? Has that been since I don't retconned by Rowling and like Pottermore I think it or something? Has been, I think it has been after the fact. Okay. I don't. I don't think that it was specifically stated in the books. Okay. Cool. Ah, uh, so Vernon on his way to work yep. sees all this weird stuff. He's getting flustered about all these odd things happening during the day, and even when he is on his walk. For lunch, he overhears people in cloaks mention the Potters, which Ah, from the title of the book, we know that this is Harry Potter that they're talking about. Um, And he overhears these people actually say Harry. Um, He convinces himself that they aren't talking about his nephew and just goes about his day. Okay. But for the rest of the day while he's at work, he's like, is his name Harry? It's puzzling, yeah. Is his name, or is it like Henry? He knows he's related to the Potters because of who he married. We can assume that he knows that Lily and James are wizards. Okay. Just based on the fact that he is married to Petunia. Who definitely knows. Who knows, obviously. Um, And and probably at least gossiped about it. Yeah, definitely. There's no way she hasn't told her spouse. Yeah, I mean, this is her character. Like, she's the one who's spying on other people. Of course, she's going to, like, dish. Yeah, and if she hasn't told told him that they're wizards, she's definitely led on that we don't talk to them. They're weird. They're interested in weird stuff. They hang out with weird people. They're not our people. Like, that is what Petunia lays on thick about the Potters. Right. 
Um, so abnormal. He, yes, very abnormal. So he's overhearing all of this stuff. Um, but when he's leaving work, we see him walk into and apologize to a gentleman in a cloak. And the man says it's not a problem and tells him that even the muggles should be celebrating the disappearance of you know who. Whoa. Yeah, so he literally runs into a wizard, which we later find out is Daedalus Diggle. Okay. Um, this is way off in in later we Whoa. find out about this. Yeah. But the guy he runs into is Daedalus Diggle. Okay. Um, he, you'll find out about him in I think book three, maybe we might actually no, you'll run into him in a later chapter in book one. Um yeah, so now Dursley is like, um, okay, this is, is really, yeah. really freaking weird. Right. Um, I believe he even calls his wife at one point during the day, but then decides not to ask her about the Potters. Okay. Um, but he makes his way home again, hearing all of this stuff, seeing all these owls. He notices the cat again when, he, when he's on his way home, like the cat's just hanging around. Same cat, yeah. On that same street. Uh, he gets home, they're watching the news, and they're hearing all of these things about owl sightings. And they also hear about um, a ton of shooting stars the night before in Kent bunch of people saw a bunch of shooting stars the night before in Kent, which all Potterheads will know was the night that Harry Potter's parents were killed by Lord Voldemort. Oh. How are the shooting stars connected? I don't understand the connection. I Other than the timing. I think it's just the timing. I think it was because this, that moment is when the Potters were killed okay. and Voldemort tried to kill Harry and then Voldemort disappeared. Okay. So it was, I think, just celebration. Oh, like people sending off Voldemort has disappeared. Sparks or fireworks or like spells that look like shooting stars. Yeah. Is it possible that they were seeing people, that they were seeing wizards apparate, apparate, yeah, back and forth? I mean, it could be. I don't recall them saying specifically what the shooting stars were. Okay. But it's all just correlating wow. to the same exact point yeah i got you okay. so uh all of the owls obviously are just people sending owls here and there yeah talking about the disappearance of you know who so all of these interesting things urges vernon to finally ask petunia what's our nephew's name ah uh-huh. okay and she says harry and then she's like, why are you bringing this up? Why, why would you bring this up right now? Um, and up until this point, there is not a mention of why the Dursleys dislike the Potters. Uh, the last thoughts before Vernon goes to bed are about even if those things happened today, had something to do with the Potters or just Harry, there is no way it would have any effect on him or his family. Okay. That's where we leave chapter one. He's rationalizing. Yes. Okay. And then this is where the movie starts. <laughs> Hello, my feeble turtle ducks. Thank you so much for joining me for Author's Intent. A couple of notes here for our mid-roll. The entirety of this episode, excluding this bit that I'm recording right now, that you're hearing right now, was recorded in a semi-chaotic environment. 
We had packed and moved half of our belongings and things were just a mess and lost and everything in between. Before you all message me about mistakes I made in the show, trust me, I already know. The biggest one being this, the content of this first episode only covers the first chapter of the book, not chapter one and chapter two. That was 100% my bad. I shouldn't have packed all of my notes and books and movies before recording because that was a serious oopsie. Trust me, I've already beaten myself up over it for the last week and a half. That being said, ignore all the times I say chapter one and chapter two. It's just chapter one. And next week, we will be hitting chapter two and the corresponding scene from the movie. Again, thank you for joining me, and let's get back into the second half of chapter one. Opening of chapter two, it's dark. So there's a lot of stuff that you miss. Seriously. Like, there, like that I'm, is a lot of I, okay, character so stuff. I get what Rowling is doing here in the book. Like, she's establishing, here's a chapter about muggles and how just normal people live their lives. Yeah. And how they also notice weird things, but they don't necessarily attribute it to anything. Right. Even like he doesn't do a lot with being told that he should celebrate the disappearance of you know who. He's, he's like, just like, what the heck is that? He's quite literally like, <laughs> you know who? Who? Like what? Who? And people are like, you know who? And then so chapter two here <laughs> is going to establish the other side of the secretive wizarding yeah. dimension yes. of the world. So I get what she's doing in these first two chapters. Like we we're not introduced to Harry until the very end. Yep. Because we have to know what muggles are like and, and the place where Harry's going to grow up. Yeah. We need to be introduced to the muggle scenario and then also introduced to the wizard side we, of it. We have to be, I mean, cause we know that it's McGonagall and Dumbledore and Hagrid mm-hmm. that deliver Harry to the doorstep. So, First episode, episode, <laughs> can you tell First I do a lot of podcasts? Chapter. First chapter, we're introduced to parents. No. First chapter, we're introduced to Harry's parental figures in the in mm. the muggle world. Yes. Chapter two, we're introduced to Harry's parental figures in the wizarding world, being Dumbledore and McGonagall. Uh, yeah, you could say that. I think this is. A good I mean, theory. it would it would definitely be his first, like, almost mentors, considering yep. that Harry is in Gryffindor and Professor McGonagall She's the is head of Gryffindor, head of Gryffindor and, and then the Professor Dumbledore is headmaster. I'm going to stick so, by this theory. I think I think Rowling is establishing parental figures in both dimensions of Harry's life here. Yeah, definitely. I yeah, I can't disagree with that. I but. also I also like that she has already planted a character in Dudley that's the same age mm-hmm. that's going to grow up parallel to Harry yep. but not have any of the excitement. Like yeah. he's just another one of the boring people that live in Surrey. Yes, he's right? just another muggle. Yeah. Just another one of those weirdos. So it's good to, it's, there's so many parallels that she's setting up between yes. muggles and wizards right now. Yeah, definitely. So before a we dig. get into chapter two, I would like to talk specifically about the, um, the, uh, casting 
oh, the okay. casting of these specific characters. Okay. Um, we already mentioned that the Dumbledore that plays Dumbledore in the first two movies yeah. does not play the Dumbledore in the third through eighth. Right. Because he passes away between. He Yeah. He passes away after the second movie. Um, so they replaced him. But he is an excellent Dumbledore. Like they definitely casted him well. Although I personally think that he is not as chipper and sarcastic as he could have been like he is in the book he's too somber yeah he's just a little too like wizened okay you know okay yeah like he we know dumbledore yeah he's we know dumbledore is wise and sagely yeah um but a thing that is common throughout all of the books is that dumbledore still has a funny side to him like he's still yeah. he's still very playful i get the and sense, cheerful i get the sense with dumbledore throughout the entire series book and movie mm-hmm. that rowling is trying to set him up as like like from the legends of arthur mm-hmm. like she's trying to set up that dumbledore is essentially merlin but after merlin stops getting into all the shenanigans yeah I mean, essentially, right? Like he's, definitely. he's done doing all the crazy stuff and now he's just head of a school and now he's just like the principal, but he or still like has that really quirky side. Like, yeah, he's supposed to be the caricature of what we thought wizards were supposed to be in the early 2000s right. when the book was coming out. Like we're picturing the, like the purple Mickey mouse hat and, you know, like animating brooms and like, you know, like Mickey mouse and Fantasia kind of wizard. Yeah. Like that's, that's what she's setting up. And then she's going to shatter all those expectations with the world she's dreamed up. Yeah. And you know what's funny about the name choice of Dumbledore? It's an old English word that means bumblebee. Oh, which okay. is just that's just a fun little tidbit. Interesting. There has to be a reason for that. I just can't think of it. Um, Let me see. Because Albus Dumbledore is very fond of music, I always imagined him as a sort of humming to himself a lot. So that was a quote from J.K. Rowling. She always imagined him as like that guy just walking around like. (laughs) Oh, have I been saying her name wrong this whole time? I don't. Rowling? Rowling? I say Rowling. Okay. I've heard it both ways. We're not talking about her anyway. It's fine. That's true. I mean. (laughs) We got to get this right at the beginning of this podcast. Though. Yeah, that's fair. Right. Um, this, so this we can is, just call her Joe. It's not as catastrophic as getting Hermione's name wrong. Hermione. And calling her Hermione. <laughs> we'll um, get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter two. So I would. Um, so Dumbledore. Fantastically oh, casted. Casting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Maggie Smith as. Minerva McGonagall is literally the most perfectly casted human playing any character in the history of the world. Just take me to Downton Abbey. Yeah, for real. Please. God, uh, it was. She's so. Countess much. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love her so much. She plays McGonagall perfectly. Big fan. So good. Plus like she kicked cancer's but oh yeah that one that's a huge thing like she was literally like doing chemo treatment during the last movie take that cancer yeah suck it cancer she's too strong for you and of course we cannot forget the third character that we see in this scene the one and only rubius hagrid 
I don't know this actor's name. <laughs> Robbie me... Coltrane. Robbie Coltrane. Dude is Is he that legit. big in real life? He, I think he has stilts that he stands on. Okay. Um, But he is pretty tall yeah. already. Big dude. Um, I, Yeah, I think that the shoes that he wears just okay. have like a stilt kind of thing in them okay um maybe just like platforms he's a lifts. he's a big dude anyway so absolutely he is such a powerful so voice. good oh my god thank you anyway so those are our, our three actors in this scene yeah i would have to say that the following scene is relatively accurate you see minerva mcgonagall as a cat on privet drive suddenly a man in a cloak appears at the end of the street this, of course, is Albus Dumbledore. You see him take out his deluminator. Thank you. Yes. Or put outer. His which M&M. It, which it is called in the first book. It's called the put outer, I believe. His M&M too. Yeah. And turn out 12 street lamps. Yep. Uh, he approaches the cat and acknowledges it as Professor McGonagall, at which <laughs> point she transfigures back into her human form, which means that this cat that... Uncle Vernon had seen all day sitting here with a map and looking at a sign was literally Professor McGonagall. I like the way they handle this in the movie where they didn't want to like blow their CG budget on her transformation. So so they just show the shadow. I mean, they do do her transformation later, later, but uh, But they can't afford to do it twice. Well, (laughs) they probably could, but they, but they put the, the transformation like before your eyes when she leaps off the desk yeah, in the classroom. Yeah, very cool. They they do that in the context in which it would be considered normal. Right. Whereas here, like it's supposed to be secretive, so, so we won't was, even show the camera. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Very good. Um, Yeah. And this scene, I literally, this is probably one of my favorite scenes out of all of the movies. Yeah. Um, And it might just be because really? it's the first scene of the first movie. And yeah. it's like, here's this introduction into the world of Harry Potter. Okay. You know, um, but the just how the actors played whimsical, but naturally. <laughs> right. Like, this is just how they are. Yeah. Um, I just love that about this scene. And also just the depiction of Dumbledore and just him appearing out of nothingness into Which the middle of the street we learn later that wizards can just do this yeah you know for funsies let yeah. me just go here real quick let right. me yeah yep so and the fact that professor mcgonagall is a registered animagus so she is too legit to quit actually i forgot to mention this in chapter one uncle vernon notices that the cat has similar like similarly shaped markings of like someone wearing glasses yeah which is a known trait of an animagus like you (laughs) have to register what creature you turn into and the markings that you have what are your markings and professor mcgonagall she turns into this tabby and she gets this the rings around her eyes she gets the glasses marking around her eyes which is just so so stinking good that is nifty before you hear anything about harry they actually start talking about voldemort (laughs) Okay. So we're already a chapter and a half in. Still haven't mentioned Harry. Except for like, is is Harry our nephew? Yeah. There's some establishing to do. I, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I've talked and about this so already. We, we start talking about Voldemort and we get a glimpse into the Dark Lord's fear, which just happens to be one Albus Dumbledore. Okay. So oh, yeah. there are only a few things left out of this scene. Some of them are minor, almost not worth mentioning. 
but they are interesting to me. Okay. So, so they were natural omissions for the movie. Yeah. It was just stuff that like just didn't make sense to keep in. Um, and then there's others that are pretty major and the change, they change the way that you might view some of the characters and help clarify some plot holes later down the road and in the following books. Okay. So the first of these things is Dumbledore himself. He is played by Richard Harris in the first two movies. Um, As a character, he is wise and seems to be on the verge of ancient. One thing that I wish had been portrayed better for Dumbledore is his humor, which we mentioned this already. Dumbledore was, he was pretty sly and sassy. Okay. While he was also being so wise. Yeah, I remember in the book he says pip pip a lot. Yeah, yes. Uh, We see that a little bit of this scene. um, Moments like when he offers McGonagall a lemon drop while they're in the middle of a serious conversation about yeah. the dark lord he's just like would you like this lemon drop professor mcgonnell was like what's a lemon drop i thought we were talking about voldemort <laughs> like that kind of stuff he's right. like yes i know this is serious but candy right maybe yeah this is strong at this point we realize that mcgonagall also doesn't know that the potters are dead oh she doesn't know no so okay. professor mcgonagall assumes that that's what happened. She's heard rumors okay. about it. Um, but at this point, this is when she is like, so are they? Yeah. And okay. Professor Dumbledore is like, has yes. to break the news. Yeah. Which uh, we will find out in later books. Professor McGonagall was actually relatively close with the Potters. Yep. Considering that Lily and James were both in Gryffindor and right. they were all members of the Order of the Phoenix, which we will find out. In a later book, right? Professor McGonagall asks about the Potters and Professor Dumbledore tells her all of the stuff that the rumors are true. This is portrayed pretty well in the movie. Yep. They covered it very well for talking about the death of someone in a kid's movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? for sure. like, it, yep. was, it was very well done, I think. And this actually is when Hagrid arrives. <laughs> and in the most surreptitious way yes, ever as quietly as possible no in fact as loud as freaking possible yeah which honestly at this point everybody's seeing owls and cats and people on cloaks they probably didn't even notice hagrid show up but i heard a funny little story about uh jk rowling that inspired the character for hagrid okay um so i don't know if this is a hundred percent true or not But it is a really cool story, and I like telling it to people. She apparently met a pretty sketchy biker in a coffee shop or a library. This guy was huge and looked terrifying, but upon having a conversation with him, she found him to be rather gentle and charming. They actually had a conversation about his gardening, and that burly biker inspired the half-giant, lovable, dragging-loving teddy bear we know today as Hagrid. The biggest thing left out of this scene, in my opinion, is this. The bike that Hagrid is riding when he arrives at Privet Drive with Harry in his arms belonged to Sirius Black. And do they mention that in this chapter? Yes. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Now, this is a big deal for someone that's uh, read the books or seen the movies. Uh, Sirius Black is the character that you find out in the third book slash movie supposedly betrayed Lily and James to Voldemort and consequently caused their death. He is the prisoner of Azkaban. He is the prisoner of Azkaban that they're talking about. Right. Yeah. Sirius loans his flying motorbike to Hagrid to go rescue Harry from the wreckage of the Potter home 
before muggles come swarming around the place. Why on earth would Sirius not just go himself? Right? That is such a big deal. Like, if you ask me. Does she ever explain why Sirius doesn't go and Hagrid is the one who We know exactly why. We do? Yeah. So before leaving, Hagrid mentions needing to get the bike back to young Sirius. Okay. Uh, This means that no one has suspected Sirius of betraying the Potters yet. Oh. Yes. (laughs) So. Gotcha. Essentially, this, like, when this is happening is also around the time that Sirius goes to confront Wormtail, which is the person who actually betrayed the Potters to Voldemort. Peter Pettigrew and who frames him. Yes. Um, So you finally meet Harry after all of this and see his lightning bolt scar. Um, Hagrid hands Harry over to Professor Dumbledore. Yeah. Dumbledore says he can't and will not heal the scar. Right. And in typical Dumbledore fashion, jokes about the scar that is on his uh, left knee that is an exact replica of the London Underground. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. See, this this is why I'm like... He needed to be funnier because, like, you just got handed Harry freaking Potter. Dumbledore is giving me a lot of, like, okay, boomer vibes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of those kinds of feelings. There's a lot that happens in this scene that just, you know. It makes sense that they didn't want to do that in the movie. Well, yeah, you can't. Like, this movie is about Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, we we can't. We can't have too many subplots going at one time, yeah. you know? Yep. So they had to cut out funny things like his scar over his it's, knee yeah, and that made sense. lemon drops. Although they did keep the fact that Dumbledore's password to his office is always named after a candy or a sweet of some kind. Yep. Which I love. That is excellent. Sherbet lemon. Sherbet lemon. Yeah. I like in the movie when uh, Maggie Smith says, isn't a wizard a witch alive that doesn't know his name you know that won't know his name that won't know his name and then there's (laughs) you see sleeping baby's face Mm -hmm. and it zooms in on the scar and his scar like splits and then it's like opening yeah and that's like the (laughs) opening opening of the next scene yeah (laughs) yeah and it's like it zooms in on his scar and then it and it like shimmers yeah 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 but um we learn later in the books that this mark, this scar, is actually a physical repre- representation of Voldemort's soul latching onto Harry. Right. Wow. Do you want to give that much spoiler right now? I warned them. This is fair. They know. Excuse me. I warned them. I'm sorry. You warned them. <laughs> they know. If they if they're if they got to this point in the podcast, okay. and they haven't heard a spoiler yet, awesome. Okay. But. We told you. Okay. We did. Yep. Get up on over yourself. We I'm assumed, not going to apologize for we it. We assumed <laughs> you've consumed it all. Yes. Okay. Wow. So that's I, where... I heard a fan theory Yeah. that the shape of the scar matches the wand flourish. The wand movement for Voldemort the Avada Kedavra curse. To do that curse. Yeah. Is that true? I believe so. Do you think it's true? I think so. I mean, that would track yeah. to me. Um, oh my gosh. Could you imagine what a swish and flick scar would look like on your face? 
<laughs> as we sit and ponder. <laughs> no, I can't. That would be that would be the worst. It would basically be look like a, like a lowercase. Then- nah, it would basically look like a lowercase J. Yeah. Just like big hook on the bottom and dot on top. That's fair. That's what I'm picturing. Anyway, he wasn't attacked with that curse. <laughs> no, then he would have just like levitated. He yeah, he wasn't attacked with the levitating <laughs> curse. That's not that's not how you kill babies, apparently. So. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so we don't go into why Voldemort it's was there. It's Not Leviosa. <laughs> Thanks, Hermione. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so this is where we're going to leave off for the this episode. Ending it strong with leaving a baby on a doorstep. You Ooh, know, yeah. classic. So it very I, good. It's very funny how the very end of the first chapter is Uncle Vernon being like, there's no way this could affect me. And then the next chapter the is next chapter. these wizards just leaving a baby on their doorstep. That literal night. Literally the stork visited yes. overnight. <laughs> yes. And the <laughs> funny thing is we don't learn this until I believe chapter three or four. Okay. Um, They don't know that he's out there until the morning when Uncle Vernon is leaving for work. Yeah, he just sleeps on the stairs all day. Uncle Vernon steps on Harry, and then the baby... Oh, no, Aunt Petunia steps on Harry, and then the baby starts crying, and she freaks out. There's a baby. Yes. Good morning. And another little fun thing, the letter was addressed specifically to Aunt Petunia. The letter? Yes, the letter left with Harry on the doorstep. Dumbledore leaves the letter. Okay. And I don't know if we'd mentioned that yet. No, sorry. They leave a letter. I think in the movie, he yeah, makes a big movie, flourish of like pulling an envelope out, it out and dropping it. Um, yeah. Yes, which actually I think that he addresses it to Harry in the movie. Oh, or maybe it's just a label. <laughs> no, I think it says Harry Potter for private drive. Okay. Like it says the address. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I believe so. I could be very wrong. Um, I'll go watch it after we finish recording. Cool, cool. Um, <laughs> but we find out that this is not the first correspondence that Petunia and Dumbledore have had. In the we book. Fi- in, and not in this book, but later in the story. Okay. We find out that this is not the first time that Petunia has gotten a letter from oh, Dumbledore. yeah. This is why I loved her character arc so much in yeah. the seventh book is it's because so she- excellent. But so. <laughs> she writes- she writes asking if she can she join her sister at Hogwarts. She could go to Hogwarts. Yeah. And oh. Dumbledore says, "I'm sorry, but you can't. Oh. You're not a. You're not. You don't have. Oh. Yeah. So, Stephen, thank you so much for being yes. on the show, being on the first ever episode of Authors Intent. I am honored. I genuinely appreciate it. This would have been really awkward to talk to myself. But I mean, next episode, I'll be talking to myself. It's a weird experience to podcast in a room alone. It's definitely weird. You'll get used to it. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for being here. I'm sure we will we will hear a lot of you later down the road when we get to some other some other books. Oh, absolutely. So next episode, we will be going through chapters three and four and the corresponding scenes in the movie. As always, a thank you to Louis Zong for the use of his song Melody Meadow off of his album Levels. Thank you for joining us for Author's Intent. Now, Pip Pip off to bed. Bye.